Welcome to Knights of the Cyber Table. We are here to break down the latest cybersecurity topics and rescue you from any ransomware, hacker, or breach that may lie ahead. So put on your armor and pull up a chair. Welcome back to another episode of Knights of the Cyber Table, where we eat, sleep, and breathe cybersecurity. I'm your host, Nina B., and this week I'm joined by our co-founder, Mike Stamus, and our VP of Solutions and Product Management, Dan Didier. On this week's episode, we will be discussing the difference between being compliant and being secure. Dan and Mike are here to guide you down the right track and help you make the best decision for your organization. Dan, Mike, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having us, Nina. Yeah, thanks, Nina. It's been a minute for both of you, so I'm happy to get to talk to both of you again. And getting to start this conversation, I think, is really important. So let's get right into it. Dan, just to level set, for those who may not fully know, what is the difference between being compliant and being secure? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it depends a lot on who you ask because um, there is a lot of gray area in both of those. But I actually like to start off a lot of my conversations with people asking that question, you know, what is your objective? Do you do you want to be compliant or do you want to be secure? And I sometimes get a, you know, kind of a funny look back, like, what do you mean I have an option? Absolutely. You know, um, in, in the realm of being compliant, uh, you know, you can do the bare minimum, really just go through the motions to check the boxes as easily as you can and, you know, really not affect or improve your security very much. Now, at the same point, you can check a lot of boxes, be compliant and improve your security some, um, but you still might take the mindset of, you know, I really want to do the bare minimum uh, as opposed to maybe being secure, which means that you're going to elevate security um, to the right level in the organization, not going to compartmentalize it, and you're going to integrate it into your business strategy. At least that's how I think about it. And yes, it does take some more work. Uh, it requires people to focus their time and energy uh, in on security, and it does require us to align uh, the strategy with our operations and what our goals and objectives are for both security and the organization. So certainly uh, there's some some input there that you need to do that would be above and beyond just kind of the, the bare minimum. But it does give people the right mindset. And I think, you know, and Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you because you've got a ton of experience here. I think getting that clarity from people and helping to create that awareness that they there is a choice, there are some options is really important in us understanding how we can best best help them. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, Dan. And, and really, sometimes when we ask the question, I think us as a security company or as a risk management company, it's it's okay to just want to be compliant. I think there's there's been many cases where an organization came to us and said, "Hey, we need to do we need to be compliant with HIPAA." And I, you know, I asked the question, "Well, tell me a little bit about how you're storing, processing, and transmitting protected health information." And they say, "Well, we don't." And I say, well, good, good news. We don't have to worry about HIPAA. And they say, well, we have this client, and they just, 
They want us to sign a BAA and they want us to do a HIPAA risk assessment, even though they're not storing, processing, or transmitting protected health information. So sometimes, whether it's due to flaws in the industry or just uncertainty in the industry, sometimes organizations need to be compliant with something that introduces very little risk to their organization. So I think to build on to your great points, Dan, being compliant is okay. And and mm-hmm. and and not worrying about security, I think, is okay as well. So it's it's not a trick question. It's it again. I I I feel it it should be okay to just want to be compliant. There's a lot of business reasons to to substantiate that. Right. So what this really boils down to is understanding what the right fit is for your business right now. Um. You know, there's a lot of security purists, Mike, that say that's that's garbage. You should never just do the bare minimum. I say, you know, it's good to start somewhere. And we always want to, you know, move forward toward maturity and continuous improvement. But you have to start somewhere. So I'm I'm perfectly okay with doing the bare minimum because that's quite a bit better than doing nothing, right? Very sure. true. I think that's reassuring for our audience to hear too, is that they can start with baby steps and work their way up to being more secure every single time. So I'm sure that's reassuring for some individuals to hear. So Mike. What advice do you have for people that just want to check the boxes and be compliant? Usually when an organization needs to be compliant with something, it comes down to the types of data they have access to or maybe the types of industries they're in. So one of the first steps we help organizations work through with respect to checking the box and being compliant with something is figuring out what we can do to not store that type of data or, or not work in that industry or put other types of controls in place that reduce our compliance risk down to a level that's that's very low or, or, or maybe even eliminate it. So I think one of the best steps an organization can do that's really motivated to check the compliance box is to see what they can do to reduce that compliance risk down as low as possible and in a perfect world, eliminate it by maybe choosing not to store that data or making modifications to contracts you have. There's there's tactical things you can do to significantly decrease your data scope and essentially um, get ahead of these compliance requirements. And again, in some cases, get, get rid of them altogether. Yeah, I'll add, I'll add on to that too, Mike. You know, being quote unquote compliant means a lot of different things depending on what you're complying with. Um, you could be complying with an industry regulation. You mentioned HIPAA. Certainly there's, there's many others like ISO 27001. Uh, you know, we've got GLBA, we've got um, CMMC, we got new guidance coming from FSA and higher ed and on and on and on. You know, being compliant means a lot of different things. Some of those mean yourself attesting that you're compliant. Some of them mean that you are being externally audited and certified. Uh, some of them are a combo like PCI. There's certain tiers where you self-assess versus an external auditor. So, you know, I think, you know, the the, the conversation about being compliant um, shifts and adjusts for every business. And in some cases, it's just a, a requirement of a business partner of yours. They've, they've written it into a contract that you you have to have a cybersecurity program, and we're expecting to see these five things, something along those lines. Um, so hopefully that's helpful for folks, too, to understand that there's definitely no one-size-fits-all. And Mike, to your point about scoping or de-scoping, you know, we're big fans of de-scoping. And again, some people might might think of that as being 
shady or somehow skirting around the issue. Absolutely not. If, if we can remove uh, scope, meaning, you know, instead of having um, sensitive data on, on all of our systems, it's now only on a handful of them, well, we've reduced risk and we've made our job easier to manage that risk and also implement the controls and the processes needed to be quote unquote compliant. So, you know, my great point there, you know, the, the scope is always critical. And, and I will say, you know, last point, many organizations actually don't know what the scope is. They don't know where the data is that would or would not require them to implement controls in those areas. And I think, Dan, your, your point about risk is a great one and relevant to the topic as well, because sometimes, you know, maybe because of legal defensibility or just perception from leadership or the board or the industry or whatever the case may be, sometimes compliance related um, initiatives are, are, are higher up on the priority list because of those third party reasons. But but from a from a fundamental risk perspective, there may be things that the organization needs to do before being compliant with the specific requirements. So, you know, if they've got significant risks from a technology perspective or they're lacking key policies or procedures or plans or governance or whatever the case may be, sometimes the approach to just checking the box from a compliance perspective so we can get to some of those other high risk initiatives is also a strategy. There's there's no shortage of things to worry about from a cybersecurity compliance perspective. I say it hundreds of times a week. Sometimes that's that means to kind of put a placeholder in 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 place from a from a compliance perspective. Ensure we're doing the right things, maybe to a bare minimum level, so we can focus our time, money, and energy on other high risk areas from 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 a risk perspective as well. A lot of great advice there, guys. So thank you for that. So once a company figures out their scope and they they figure out what they're going to do. Dan, maybe can you give some insight as to when someone should take the next step to becoming a little bit more secure, like why and when? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's you know, uh, I'd love to say it's just a natural progression, but it's not necessarily. Um, generally, I think we see quite a few motivators. You know, a great example uh, of, of recent was the federal, you know, our government posted a warning that there's an imminent threat for the healthcare industry and specifically around a coordinated ransomware attack. Um, that's a, clearly a great uh, example and reason why you would you'd want to think about becoming more secure. You definitely do not want to be the victim of ransomware and all the other impacts associated with that. Um, I think, you know, that general idea will apply to just about every business as we continue to move forward. You know, I, I think this has been said a million times, but as the more reliant we become on technology and automation, um, and the larger that footprint is, whether it's the expansion of you know IoT devices or artificial intelligence and machine learning and all these things that are incredibly helpful to our organizations, but present more uh, vulnerabilities, uh, more opportunities for attack, then security becomes uh, more valuable to the business, more uh, more of a, a requirement as opposed to a would like to do. It's a it's a have to do. So it becomes financially viable for us to prevent some of these these major impacts. Um, there's some really 
good classic examples, um, which I know Mike knows very well. Uh, it's, you know, I can't close business because I don't have any sort of certification or validation that I have a security program. So, uh, you know, the, the, the potential customer or customers I'm looking to work with, they say, well, until you guys get through that, we really, there's nothing we can do. Uh, we see that a lot in tech companies, uh, certainly around ISO 27001 and SOC 2, also GDPR. Um, so lots of lots of reasons of, of when and why, and I would say more often than not, it becomes very obvious to the business they have to do it. Um, but at the same point, they may still be on the fence about that whole compliance and security thing. I think if another main reason, and Mike, maybe this is something that you can chime in on, um, you know, there are, uh, there's more and more awareness at the board level and there are more, you know, tech savvy folks on the board. There are more uh, people focused on risk management on a board perhaps than anywhere else. And I think, you know, as the, the gap between understanding the types of risk technology brings um, is made clear to the folks that are, um, you know, doing traditional risk management in a business, the need to have security over compliance becomes more and more important because now we understand what those risks are from a business perspective. It becomes clear what the impacts are to not addressing those issues and not becoming more secure. So, you know, Mike, again, I think, you know, we've we've seen this over and over and over again where, uh, you know, the board wants visibility. The board wants to understand what the risk is. And certainly that's been an opportunity for us to come in and, um, you know, kind of demystify the whole thing, if you would, build that bridge between all the technical uh, topics and making that something the business can understand, digest, and respond to. Yeah, and I would just add, you know, that that comment and notion about board involvement in cybersecurity. If that's something you have, fantastic. Capitalize on that and don't get in the weeds when you're talking to the board. If you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, well, geez, my, my board really doesn't know where we're at from a security and compliance perspective, think about how you could get the opportunity to deliver that message to the board because it's important. They have responsibility in that conversation and they should be aware of the top risks, whether they're security risks or compliance risks. And they, and they should be involved in that conversation about what the business wants to do from a, from a risk management perspective. So um, if you've got it, capitalize on it and, and keep that information in front of the board as, as regularly as possible. If you don't have it, start thinking about how you could get um, in front of that audience and once you get that, really ensure you refine your messaging to really speak to the board level. You Again, you don't want to talk deep in the weeds about technical jargon, but keep it high level based on risk, based on business risk, compliance and security risk as well. Well, and Mike, that was actually one of one of my top five trends that we expect in 2021 is super high demand for people that can actually have those conversations, make those translations and integrate you know cybersecurity with the business strategy with risk management so i there's two views i have there you know if you're if you're a, in cybersecurity and, and you're looking to improve the way that you work the way that you communicate um learn those techniques um learn how to communicate with the business right in terms of uh, risk 
and learn how to simplify some of these very deep and complicated topics to really, you know, there's an issue, there's a problem, sure. We don't need to understand all the reasons it exists. What we need to understand is what are the potential impacts to the business in terms of sales, revenue, reputational, and what, how do we fix it? What are our options? How much does it cost? And does the, you know, the cost to remediate with option one provide good value to the business for the risk reduction that is obtained? So folks that can do that, people that can um, help the business solve this problem are incredibly valuable. And I, I think that's, you know, again, one of the top gaps that we see certainly, the, certainly this year, but as we move forward as well. You guys didn't even you guys didn't even realize this, but the episode before this is how to get executive buy-in with your cybersecurity program with a risk assessment. So you guys basically just did my little marketing plug for me. But if you're looking for a more in-depth conversation on that topic, definitely go check that out because I talk with Stan and he goes into a deep dive of how to talk to again the executive audience to really get that buy-in. So thanks, guys. Awesome. So Mike. I know we talked a little bit about the differences between compliant and secure and how you can be one or the other and the whole the whole progression, but we talked a while back, I don't know if you remember this, but you were giving me your analogy about the doctor with this topic about being compliant and being secure. So can you go into a little bit about if you really can be both at the same time and which one might be a little bit better? Well, my, my analogies I typically make on the fly, and sometimes they're amazing, but I never say them again, and sometimes they fall flat on their face. So I can remind you of you if you need a little reminder. Well, I, th I think it's all right. I, I think really that that balance between being compliant and being secure, fortunately, is where a lot of our clients live today. Having a lot of clients in the healthcare and the higher ed space, Dan mentioned a lot of the things that those two um, industries in particular need to think about. But they also have significant threats. It's no secret that, you know, hackers have been setting their sights on healthcare, and, you know, it's been kind of the same case in, in higher education for a long time. Those organizations also need to think about GLBA and HIPAA and FSA. Really, the, the, the perfect world is to have a program that aligns what you're doing from a cybersecurity perspective with, with a standard that enables you to effectively communicate the leadership like Dan was talking about in the in the previous conversation to be able to keep top risks in front of senior leadership and the board and whoever the case whatever the case may be but also build your cybersecurity program in a way that aligns with the standard that makes it easy to prove compliance or in you know in many cases legal defensibility with compliance requirements so it's it's that perfect balance of really understanding your top risks and building the program in a way that aligns with the standard that ensures defensibility from a, from a compliance perspective. So I guess, you know, to, to go back to either my really good or really bad analogy, it's, you know, going to the doctor, doing your blood work, taking your blood pressure and the doctor saying, Hey, you need to exercise more. You need to, um, you know, eat better, maybe, you know, um, eat more fish or whatever the case may be. You can you can do two things with that. You can actually go out and exercise on a regular basis and eat better and 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 you know have a have a healthier lifestyle. Or you could just go join a gym, go to the nutritional supplement store and buy a bunch of you know nutritional supplements and really don't take the supplements. And although you've got the membership to the gym, you're not going very very often if ever. So you know I think you can you could be compliant by 
showing your doctor that, hey, I, I go to the, uh, you know, I have this this thing on my, my, my keys and it's a barcode and it lets me get into the gym anytime I want, 24 hours a day, but you haven't been to the gym in, in six months. That's, that's, You're that's not, not losing the weight. Needle. Yeah. Was, was that my analogy? Was yeah. I close? <laughs> yep. Sometimes and those analogies are a little bit closer to home than, uh, than they should be. I love it. I think it's a great one. It definitely makes sense. Dan, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, you can absolutely be compliant and secure. My hope is that the organization gets a, a solid framework, a process, what you know, a management system in place for doing that, um, for enabling. I'm sorry, for enabling that. The hard part's doing it, right? So, I think um, it is easier to be compliant than it is to be secure, and it takes more work. It takes support and buy-in from senior managers. Um, but it also takes the right cyber people. Um, you've got to be able to do all those things we talked about earlier, really ensure that you're every day working to make these issues relevant to the business in terms they can understand. The better you can do that, the easier you can move forward the whole security needle because you will get support and buy-in from the people that ultimately make the decisions about where we spend time and money and what our top initiatives are. And, and, and I guess this this may sound like a like a shameless plug for Greg Castle here, but I think the firm, you know, if if security and compliance are both important, I think finding a security partner that can really help you strike that balance is going to bring efficiency into what you're doing from a from a cybersecurity perspective. It's going to save you money and potentially even provide some return on investment at the end of the day. And this this reminds me of a story um, in higher ed, which you know is many of you know, and I think we've talked about in the past, when we started the company, it wasn't banks or hospitals that were that were really motivated to work with Greg Castle. It was, it was higher education, and we're forever thankful for that. And although we've got lots of hospitals and banks and manufacturers that, that work with us today, higher ed remains one of those verticals that we've, just, we've worked with a lot of different colleges and universities all throughout the country. And I remember when, when GLBA, Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, first started to really become very relevant to higher education, we were in this awesome position to be able to go out to our higher education clients and say, hey, you're all very concerned about GLBA. Here's the good news. The, the path that we've been taking you down where we've helped you classify your assets and we brought risk management into the conversation, we've got prioritization and risk registers in place. This essentially has prepared you for GLBA. So it was a great feeling for me to be able to go out to our higher education clients and and to be able to tell them, hey, this new requirement that you're faced with, you're okay. You don't have to worry about it. You're in good shape. And that that was a, that was a great feeling for me, you know, watching this business grow. But but also kind of a an attribute to how Great Castle helps organizations build cybersecurity programs, leveraging globally recognized standards, making risk being at the core of everything we do. And fortunately, a lot of the compliance requirements that we're looking at today essentially require you to do those same things. So um, again, back to the types of partners you work with, you really want to find a partner that can strike that balance between prioritizing risk, remediation, and having that defensible compliance position. I think that's some really good points there, Mike. So thanks for that. As we wrap up, what is the one thing you want listeners to walk away with? Dan, do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's um, keep your eye on the prize. I think people get bogged down in all the details, right? We're, we're doing this because it helps limit our risk. 
So every day, you know, bring these security issues back to how it helps the business and, and quantify it because not everything helps the business the same. So that's what I'd, I'd say, you know, just one, try to keep it simple, one thing. Um, there's a whole list of things in the back of my mind. Um, I'm going to throw one more out there. So Nina, I'm going to do two and just get started. That's my other thing. <laughs> don't don't sit there and plan. Just start and uh, always relate it back to how it, it helps the business and, and in what way. By by no design, my, my, my takeaway really com comes right off of what you said, Dan, is get started and don't stop. You don't need to go all out and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on cybersecurity. But if you can, if you can keep your top risks, you know, at, at, in front of the right people within the organization and keep cybersecurity moving in a proactive and efficient way, you, you, you're, you're in a position where you can stay ahead of your problems. Organizations over the past couple of years have tried to do security, you know, one month out of the year and just do all the things. We do our pen testing and we do a risk assessment and then we stop for 11 months and then we start again. That's inefficient. It ends up costing the organization more money. It's difficult to have a defensible compliance position. And it's difficult at, at, the, at the rate and change in which technology and risks are, are changing and especially with what we've dealt with over the past year, your, your cybersecurity program has to be continuous. It has to be looked at on a regular basis. So to Dan's point, start to my point. Stop. So don't don't stop. Um, just keep it moving forward, even if it's at a, a, a slow pace. Um, keep it keep it moving forward in a in a regular cadence. We might have just found our new slogan: "Start and don't stop." <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys heard it here first. Thank you guys so much for speaking with me about this topic. I think it's important for people to really sit down and have this conversation, like you guys said, to continuously be thinking of cybersecurity in the front of their mind instead of the back. So thanks for getting the couple minutes to chat with me. Oh, thank you, Nina. Our pleasure. Yeah, it's always fun to uh, be one of the Knights of the Roundtable. So thanks for having us. Nina. That's our story and we're sticking to it. See you guys next time on Knights of the Cyber Table.